All right, welcome back. So recently, some people have asked me to cover the news about Trump potentially banning TikTok. Right, he wants to stop TikTok from operating in the U.S. And then there was also kind of a related bit of news in which Instagram recently launched Reels as a competitor to TikTok. So some people have asked me about my opinion about this, and I wanted to kind of tell you about the proper way to think about this, at least the way I see it. So first of all, about Trump banning TikTok. Now, some people say that this sets a potentially dangerous precedent, but if you think about it, China has also banned a whole bunch of social media services that originated from the U.S. So, in a sense, what Trump is doing is kind of a reciprocal type of action that is really about e-commerce, limiting e-commerce embargoes and trade tariffs and things like that. I think that's what it really comes down to more, and perhaps protecting their own country's abilities to innovate on the technological front. So, if you take a look, actually, I think China has actually done. Something really interesting because they decided that they didn't want to allow Google to operate within China. It allowed Chinese entrepreneurs to also start coming up with their own technologies, and now they have Baidu, which is a very strong competitor to Google in China. They don't watch YouTube; they watch other services like Bilibili or QQ or something like that. And instead of having just a single Amazon global e-commerce website, they have Alibaba over there. And instead of using Facebook Messenger for communications, they're using WeChat. And so, in a sense, number one, China has essentially financially protected its own entrepreneurs and businesses, such that they too have a chance to compete and make their own fortunes. Instead of just having, say, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, and Larry Page making all the money and dominating the whole entire world, because at some point, without the government coming in to provide some type of protections, I mean, it is—it's just impossible for an individual to come up and try to create a second Google or a second Amazon or a second Facebook, unless the government can just say, you know what, we're just not going to allow some of these services in here. And so, similarly, if you kind of take a look at what Trump has done, well. China has been innovating extremely fast with TikTok. It's in this space of short-length, funny viral videos, and it's a space that Facebook desperately needs to dominate if they want to gain a foothold on video, which they do need to do. And so now Facebook is coming up with Instagram Reels. Facebook is an American company, and so from this perspective, it kind of makes sense for Trump to kind of want to give a priority to U.S. companies to succeed, and especially because this is a communications platform, then it becomes all the more important. For the country to be controlling its own communications platforms, because as we all know, communication is power. Which kind of brings us to the second aspect about this, which is information control. And so it's no secret that China does apply censorship to its information. There are certain things that you cannot say, that you cannot even look up, that are wiped from the search engines. But if you think about it, Google, YouTube, Facebook—they all pretty much also censor certain types of information. These are not neutral platforms. They never claim to be neutral platforms. For example, a lot of conservative viewpoints have been stifled on American social media platforms like YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. You know, these tech companies—they do tend to be very liberal-leaning. They're going to want to be as acceptable to as many types of different people as possible, and they're going to want to prioritize. Democratic presidents who are going to allow them. I mean, this is getting a little political, but I've always had the suspicion that tech companies want to support democratic presidents who will support just free-form immigration in order to bring in H-1B visas, in order to support driving down costs such that they can get the supply of labor that they need to get. And then when you take a look at some conservative presidents, Republican presidents, for example, they may want to oppose immigration. You've got Trump trying to build up his wall on the Mexican border. And so, anyway, overall, what I'm saying is that these tech companies do have political bends. They do have certain political biases that they're going to want to promote, and other viewpoints that they do not 
want to promote. And even when you enter these company walls, like if you go into Facebook, for example, they have this huge rainbow gay pride flag right in the center of the hallways. And there's posters all over the place celebrating this stuff. And then the employees, well, they're also, you could say they're brainwashed into thinking in some certain way that they believe that the world should be. And then using the power, the influence of the platform, they're going to push these ideologies out into the whole world. Like maybe on Facebook, they'll have a global gay pride day or something like that. And these Western ideals, well, they may not be acceptable to certain other countries. But it's always struck me as kind of strange that one company in Silicon Valley, and perhaps it really comes down to just one person, the CEO of that company, has the privilege, the right to tell the whole world what is right, what is wrong, how to think, what to believe, and what not to believe. And so if we take a look at the groups of ideological thought that we have in the world today, the diversity of thought, well, you really just have two. You've got the Western ideals versus China. I, I think that's pretty much all we've got here, right? So you've got these Silicon Valley companies like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and they dominate most of the Western world. And then you have China, which has banned all of these services, and they've got their own little bubble about what they think people should be thinking about, what people should believe, the ideologies, the morals, the values. And that's pretty much it. The rest of the world has pretty much become globalized. If you were to go to parts of Europe, the UK, like I went over to Iceland and everybody there, they're all listening to the same music. Everyone's listening to Taylor Swift, Maroon 5. They're watching the same movies. Everybody wants to eat a steak. They want a Louis Vuitton bag. They want to drink Starbucks coffees. They want to have McDonald's. And so overall, I would say that banning TikTok is really a, it's a reciprocal action, right? Like if China is going to ban all of the social media services from the US, then it's entirely within the American people's rights to also ban Chinese services in order to allow their American companies like say Facebook to succeed with their own version of Instagram Reels. Why give that control and power to another company? And I would encourage most countries to adopt this approach because, you know, when you think about it, we do not have a free market across the world. There's a bunch of tariffs and border controls across all of the countries in order to protect local businesses. But the thing is, as these businesses shift online, then our economic controls that are meant to protect our own local businesses, those controls also need to shift online as well. And so, you know, I would imagine, wouldn't it be great if the UK had their own YouTube video streaming service and Iceland had their own video streaming service and France or Japan or Australia also had their own video streaming services, then instead of having just this one YouTube platform that dominates world global communications and determines how everybody across the world should think, then each country would not only enable more economic opportunity for their tech entrepreneurs, but also they would be able to protect and support their own cultural beliefs instead of having just this one globalized communication platform in which if you say anything wrong, that can be classified as wrong speak and your account could be banned or a system in which your cultural beliefs and morals may be overridden by a company that is like these Silicon Valley tech companies, they're just operating for profit and they're doing what is in their own interest economically, financially. And this financial interest is really dominating global communications and the beliefs allowed or disallowed by every single culture. Now, as for Instagram Reels, so this is Instagram's new project that is competing against TikTok. I think it may be interesting, but it also remains to be seen whether this will succeed or not. And if you're interested in it, then it may be worth getting on the hype train and seeing where it goes. But I have to say that I'm not 100% super optimistic about this because you can take a look at Facebook's track record in this. First of all, last year they announced Instagram TV. They tried to get this to take off. It was supposed to be this huge competitor to YouTube. And yet I think the project has gained relatively 
relatively little traction. Facebook video is another front in which they've been trying to gain some dominance in video. And I believe that Facebook video has also been kind of floundering here and there, and they're trying to find ways to compete with YouTube there as well. They also launched Lasso, which was an app for iOS, I believe. It was also about short videos meant to compete with TikTok, and that did not do so well either. So you can see that historically, there have been a number of failed attempts from Facebook to try to enter the video space. Although you could say that Instagram Stories was one project that has succeeded very well for them. And so if you're to ask me, I can imagine three primary issues in which Instagram Reels may be facing here. Number one is that it is embedded within the Instagram app, which may be complicating the feature set of Instagram way too much, in which people are already kind of saying that Instagram's getting really bloated. And it's hard to figure out what Reels is really good for, how is it different from Stories, how is it different from Instagram TV. And so when you compare that to the YouTube app, the YouTube app is already very functional and fully featured by itself. You have an entire set of tabs, you have subscriptions, you have a home feed, you have search functionality, commenting, and all of this is dedicated purely to video. Whereas if you were to do a search on say Facebook, well, you're not necessarily looking for all of the videos. You could be looking for groups and people and communities and pages. And so similarly, if you're on Instagram Reels, you do a search, you could be turning up all sorts of other types of random information, maybe a lot of images that is a type of content that you don't really want to consume just yet. And so if the Instagram Reels feature is embedded within Instagram, it's almost like having an app within an app and navigation just becomes very complex. And so it wouldn't surprise me if at some point in the future, they were to split out the feature into its own independent app, perhaps when it gains sufficient traction. A second potential obstacle has to do with privacy. And I think that this is one reason that Facebook video has had such a hard time succeeding because nobody wants to watch a video and have everybody else know that they watched that video, that they commented on it. Because sometimes your viewing habits is something that you don't want your friends and colleagues and everybody around you to know what you're watching. Right, like if you're watching an anime or a cartoon or a cooking show, you don't necessarily want people to know you're watching some silly anime or some video game type of content, which is why you may notice that a lot of viewers on YouTube, they tend to be anonymous and that anonymity works better for video type of content. Video inherently, I believe, is not a really social type of thing. I believe that some things are not inherently social. Your search behavior, your Google searches are also not inherently social. It's not something that you want to share with your friends what you're looking up on Google because that's really part of your discovery research phase and you don't really want to publicize that to everybody. You're just kind of browsing around looking at random types of information out there. And so if you're on Instagram, you have your whole entire identity tied on there with say a real name, a real photo, all of your profile pictures on there. And then you start commenting on some funny video and your friends and family go and see that and they're wondering why are you watching this weird funny silly video and then who knows maybe you could even get fired because you commented on some political video that was supporting Trump or something like that. And then the last obstacle may have to do with community. Generally, creators want to centralize their audiences around a single video, right? Like you rather have a single YouTube video that gains 100,000 views instead of having these 100,000 views split across YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and then you may have all of your audience scattered all over the place and each video doesn't have many views and the algorithm just thinks for some reason that your video is not very popular, but that's simply because you scattered your whole entire audience everywhere across the place. Not to mention, it's a lot of work to be trying to create content for each different platform, uploading it multiple times, tagging it, writing the titles and descriptions, trying to make the content native to each different platform. And so for creators, it may be a lot of additional work to not only run a YouTube channel, but to also run an 
an Instagram profile to be posting Instagram stories, Instagram TV maybe, and then in addition adding Instagram Reels to that mix. And so I think that's why certain services that act more as a complement to YouTube that provide additional services for creators, like you can see Patreon or OnlyFans, which provide additional ways for creators to monetize or create a community, Discord, for example, check out my Discord, by the way, link in the description below. These microservices tend to do very well with YouTube because they play nicely within the YouTube ecosystem, whereas if you're to try to create a complete competitor and it's kind of a one or nothing type of deal, that's going to add additional overhead for creators. And essentially this overhead would just need to be justified, for example, by providing additional virality for videos or monetization techniques or a stronger community, something in that form. So those are my thoughts on Instagram Reels. I wouldn't necessarily get your hopes up too high about it, but if you have the time, then definitely something to check out because who knows, it could go big at some point in the future. So there you go. If you liked the video, give a like and subscribe. Really appreciate that. And I'll see you in the next one. Thanks. Bye.